Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I've got Janky De Palma, who is the Director of Business Development with Kirksey Architects based in Houston, Texas. They also have an office in Austin. And Janky and I connected on LinkedIn, and Janky has been affiliated with a number of Zwei Group programs, including the Elevate Her co- Cohort. Ah, that's, a, that's a mouthful, but the bottom line is that, that we've had some connection back and forth online, and I'm so excited that she was able to make some time in her schedule to join us today on the Zwei Letter podcast so that we could learn more about her and what she's doing in the world of business development in the age of the pandemic. So without further ado, Janky De Palma, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. And I I it's I really want to pinch myself that I'm part of being on the side of the the podcast. This is so exciting. Cool. Well we're certainly glad to have you. And 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 I know you because you listen, you're a regular listener, you know that we always start off by getting the guests superhero origin story. So I would love for you to give us your cliff note version of how you became to be janky. Yes. Well, I have two boys. And so origin stories, I love them because we are all superhero all the time. And I, I was thinking about this as the last time I was listening to your podcast and my origin story, it really started off, you know, the, like that one kid who is so talkative in class that the teacher's always moving her and putting her next to the quietest kid in the class. That was me. I was always moved around and usually within an hour, that very introverted kid and I would be disrupting class, having a full-blown conversation. And I got in a lot of trouble for that, but I realized that for me, what was the driving factor was connection. I was always kind of a little bit off, like a little weird in school, usually one of the few minorities and never part of a popular group. So connecting with people and making friends was like such a driver. and. I've just been blessed that I can now use that skill 
to help people and help my firm. And so that's really where this all got started. Like every person in AEC, I fell into this. So this was not a you know charted path, but I did find that connecting, making friends, having those people meet other people that I think are amazing are just things that I really love. And it's it's just really a blessing that this is part of what I get to do now. Yeah, no, I love that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that, you know, there's so much that can be learned in the process. And I mean, you have such a, a wide and varied background. You know, I realized this. You now, do you speak fluent Japanese? I do. It gets much more fluent if I have like a couple of beers, but okay. <laughs> or some sake. Or some sake or yeah. Yeah, some yeah. some um yeah, so umeshu would work too. But yes, I studied in Japan for a little over a year, like about a year and a half. I was an exchange student there. Wow. Wow. That's cool. That's very cool. So I, it's interesting because you have a wide and varied background. I mean, you've worked at a number of different firms in the business development marketing space, what are some of your biggest takeaways to date that you have that have informed how you do business development in terms of what you do on a regular basis? A couple of things. I mean, I think the first is this AEC space, particularly the B2B space, is so different than, say, product marketing. And a lot of times folks come out of school with a degree in marketing, knowing how to sell widgets or shoes or whatever. And what we're selling is kind of like trust and experience. So how do you trust that someone's going to take your idea and turn it into the building of your dreams? And that part is, you know, really based on relationships. And it's, it's all about, you know, do they know us? Do they like us? And do they trust us? And that part is difficult because it's not necessarily who's done the most of a certain product type. It's, or who's, been in the industry the longest, who has the most experience, it's really like bottom line, do I trust you to take care of my needs and take care of me and help me look out for all the potholes that I don't even know are there? And that's that's really what you're trying to do is establish that. And it's it's hard because it looks very logical, but it's a really emotional decision you're making. Yeah, no, it really is. And and I'm sure you would concur that the importance of active listening and how that plays such a major role in what you do on a regular basis. Exactly. You know, we had chatted a little bit about, about the role of real conversation and real dialogue, right? Not just having a list of 10 questions and just, you know, getting those out and not, and getting ready to ask the next question. It's about understanding and really paying attention and listening to what is it that that person's drivers are? Like, what is keeping them up at night? Then you can be able to say, yeah, I can help you. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think that's that's important. I think one of the biggest challenges whenever, while I was at Zweig, I mean, we consulted with a number of firms as Zweig currently does now, and, and we would always go into companies and really take time to be a listening tune to exactly what the client is going through, what their challenges are, and how we could potentially help them overcome it. One of the things that we learned, and I always enjoyed doing this part of it, which would be the reconnaissance when we would go out and talk to or get feedback from current and former clients, we would learn some things about what a company does well or what they don't do well. And a lot of times, invariably, one of the big things is that the the active listening wasn't always active. And that's always a challenge, right, that you deal with. It's one of the reasons why we tell people whenever I've done project management training is one of the surefire ways to lose your team is to not be an active listener. 
because that plays into everything that you do, both internally as well as externally with the client. It helps you minimize or avoid all kinds of issues with cost overruns in anything related to to a project. And so it all of that plays into it. But I would have to imagine that as a business developer, not only do you have to be really astute at hearing what the client is saying, but you also have to be capable of presenting the skill set and abilities of your team to the world. And in doing that, you have to be able to listen to them and understand where they're coming from as well. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of the underlying points you're talking about also has to do with sort of emotional intelligence, right? So we're in a group of highly skilled people, people who naturally have like a high IQ, right? Really smart to become architect, engineer, general contractor, whatever. But then really what's separating you is that EQ. It's like, are you listening? Do you have empathy? Are you able to maintain relationships? Do you have self-control? You know, like those four levels of four things of, of emotional intelligence. And that's probably what you're hearing that is exemplified by the act of listening. Because that's part of it. I mean, it's a huge part of it. And no one wants to be sold to, right? You don't yeah. want to hear like, hear me do a, a commercial and you don't want to be pitched to. That's, you know, why we don't like, there's the used car salesman motif, right? right? That trope, because you're just like, you're going to put me in a corner and try to like force me to do, make a sale. Who wants that? No one wants that. <laughs> no, no one. Well, then I would imagine that you certainly feel very comfortable going out and engaging people at the relationship level, right? And, and, and follow me on this line of thinking because when it's, and I'm going to use my son, my middle son, Nathan, he's going to hate that I'm using him as an example, but Nathan struggles with getting warm food at lunch. I know this sounds crazy, but it's because a lot of times his teacher lets him out late. So by the time he gets to the lunchroom, the food is a little cold. And I told Nathan, I said, dude, if you go and meet with the lunch lady or lunch man, or I, it's, I think it's mostly women. So I'm not, I'm not being sexist here. I think they're mostly women in his particular lunchroom. But if you go meet them and build a relationship with them, I bet you they'll be willing to make sure that no matter how late you are to lunch, you'll have some hot food waiting there for you. And I know that that is a very simplistic example of it, but it is the thing that I think a lot of times we as human beings mostly fail in, which is building strong, sustainable relationships over the long term. And before I get your feedback, here's what he keeps telling me. It's like, oh, well, they're just lunch ladies and why do I have to do all that? And I'm like, listen, the thing that I'm teaching him is that everybody counts. I don't care who you're dealing with from the principal on down to the person that sweeps up in your classroom. And so when you're dealing with the lunch ladies, and I kind of tell them stories about how all the lunch ladies knew me back in my high school, and I never had an issue getting the best of the best when it came to food. Not that the food was good to begin with, but I'm like, dude, his food is actually pretty good at his school, but I'm like, you need to build a relationship. And he struggles with that. Now he's only 14 and he's a work in progress and, and there's still hope for him. But I think people listening to this right now need to understand and not discount the importance of establishing and building strong relationships at the beginning, because that will inform everything that you do moving forward. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I was just like pointing at you the whole time when you were talking, because you hit on such such an amazing point that is a big driver to me, which is like everyone is valuable. And there's sometimes this sense in business that like, well, it's just the, the receptionist. This is just the, you know, 
accounts payable. No, 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 no. Everyone's valuable. First of all, you have to be nice to everybody. It's a real, that's like a big thing for us. But it's interesting. A lot of times you don't have to necessarily go to the top to get something done. So for your Nathan to like try to negotiate with the teacher is going to be its own like hill to climb. But just a couple of nice words to the lunch person maybe means like it's set aside under a salamander and kept warm. Maybe there's a couple more tater tots because they know that's his favorite. I have a feeling you got extra tater tots. I can, you seem like the guy who got an extra handful because those relationships matter and people are so starved for that, you know, like because people are so used to being overlooked that like you pay any attention and come in, especially with a sense of real curiosity. What's up with, you know? not like sweet talking the lunch lady, but I bet you just having, starting that relationship will get warm lunches going forward. I, you yeah. need to make sure he does that. Cause well, I'm, I'm going to. And, and so what I've done is I've kind of done the whole Jedi mind trick thing. Cause he's got a 10 year old brother who's really good at building relationships. So I have, I've worked through my 10 year old to encourage the 14 year old and the 16 year old to encourage his brother. I've got three sons. So, you know, I'm trying to get to him. And, you know, it's eventually going to work. It's he's he is rough because he doesn't like he just assumes that everything's just going to work out. And I'm like, no, you play a major role. There's a cause and effect right in life. That's just how it is. You you cause things to happen and there is an effect that comes out of that. And so, you know, you have to think about it that way. And it's just so hard. And I know this is you know, this may be a life lesson for getting, you know, warm lunch at an elementary school or secondary school. But this has real life applications, right? And the thing that I'm telling him is that I realize, and just going out in the design space over the last two decades, is that a lot of people don't get that lesson, or they get it, you know, when they're well, and you know, they're well on into their adult ages. And it's a lot harder for people to kind of go back and think about it that way. But to me, every there's always an opportunity for a relationship, always. And you said something that I'll, I'll just. I'll drive home because I think everybody that's listening to this will recognize and understand the importance of it. But you talked about somebody in payroll or somebody in the accounting department. I have never, and let me stress this, I have never not known who the person was cutting the check with any company that I worked with. When I was at Zweig, when I would talk to the lead principal that that was hiring us for a project, the first thing I would say to them is, Who's in your accounting office that takes care of these checks? And I just ask a simple question. And then I'd reach out to that person. And I know a lot of times people say, well, Randy, why do you got to do all that? You're dealing with the main person. I get that. But the main person's not handwriting these checks. There is somebody in the accounting office that's writing these checks. And if you ever want to make sure you get your stuff on time and that there's no other issues, you deal with that person. And I always made it a point to know who was writing the checks. And not just from a selfish standpoint, right? Because I could easily say, I just want to know so I can say, hey, this is what we sent the invoice. We need to get paid. It was like, what's your name? How are you? I'm working with the firm. Are you familiar with us? Introducing themselves. I still keep in contact with several people in accounting offices of firms that I don't even do work with anymore because I built a relationship. There's a woman that I've been in contact with for 15 years that was, do you think my checks were ever late? Never. Who was the first person to get paid? Me. I mean, it's, <laughs> so it, it's not rocket science, but Mark Zweig and I talk about this. I talk about this with Chad. It's, it is Im- important for you to put yourself out there and make those connections. And sometimes I think we stop at the top when we really need to allow that to filter down. And that plays into how we interact with people 
on a project standpoint as well. It's the same principle that I'm sharing here to get paid. It's the same principle to have a smooth project. So I'm sure you concur with that. Oh, yes, definitely. That was, I remember in my early career, it was, you know, especially being in marketing, that's also a group that's usually ignored in a, you know, in a bigger company, the marketing coordinator, marketing assistant, that's what I was. And it was, it was an interesting thing to, you know, to see that because you realize like, well, you know, not in necessarily a vindictive way, but I could make your life a lot easier right. or I could not. And, and you notice who ignores you. Yeah. And I, I felt that like, as I started and going to firms, yeah, the very first, it's always the receptionist. So usually I make sure we know each other right away. Everyone in accounts payable, they move mountains. And that's the part too. It's not like, kind of like what you're saying, it's not to be selfish and to be self-serving, but people are actually hustling to help you. So how, why is, can you take it out of your day a few seconds just to ask them how they're doing? Yeah. I mean, that's not that big of a deal, but so few people do it that it really makes an impact. Listen, and, and I mean, again, I just want, I want people listening to this to understand the importance of it. And it, and it, I mean, for a lot of you that are listening, if you're trying to work with that client in your marketplace that you just couldn't, you just have not been able to get to, find out who their number two is, or more importantly, who their gatekeeper is. A lot of times their gatekeeper is their personal assistant. Like there's a lot of high level folks in this industry that have a personal assistant. You need to know that person because honestly, they will move heaven and earth if they like you to get you on that person's calendar. And the quicker you get on that person's calendars, the quicker you can talk to them about whatever value you're trying to add to their life, you know, be it a project, be it whatever. So it's important for people to really think through that and to look at the whole, the big picture and not just say, oh, I just need to talk to this guy so he can hire my firm to do this work. It's, there's so much more to that and there are layers to it. And it takes time. But once you develop it, I mean, it's, it gets easy. It does. And I think I like what you're doing with your son is training them to start making those relationships organically. And I think sometimes it's really easy to say, well, I'm not an extrovert. So therefore right. I cannot make real, no, no. I mean, there are some people who will, you know, they're at a, at a crosswalk and before they, the light turns green, they've made a new best friend yeah. because that's just the way they operate. And it sounds like maybe that's your 10 year old because that's my 10 year old. But there are, I feel like you can build relationships even if you tend to be a little bit more introverted. And by that, I mean, really needing to be alone to recharge, like that's where you get your energy. That doesn't mean you don't need human relationships. Doesn't mean you can't develop them. Start with the lunch lady. Exactly. Start with the (laughs) lunch lady and go from there. So maybe that'll be the title of this podcast, but. (laughs) Exactly. So tell me, I mean, you've had experience doing BD and marketing on the engineering side and on the, and now on the architecture side. And I would be curious to know are there any fundamental differences there as far as that's concerned? Well, I mean, really on the fundamental side, no, because you're building relationships, right? So the same, it's just who you're building it with and maybe understanding where those pain points are because your clients are slightly different. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's still about really listening, understanding like what's keeping you up at night for the client's point of view. And then what could I do, even if it didn't have to do with architecture? Is there anything I could do to help you with that? And really going to that first point you said, it's when I listen, I realize like what's keeping you up at night actually may not have to do with how the building is drawn. But there is something maybe I could help you with. Maybe I can connect you to somebody. Maybe there's some other idea I have. You know, but it's like I wouldn't know that if I didn't ask and if I just went into sales 
overload, right? Yeah. And started talking about how great my firm is. You know? Well, and, and you bring up another good point. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's another area where you can be almost, you can be thought of very highly by people that you're trying to connect with, which is connecting them with other people. That's huge, right? I mean, that's the whole essence of LinkedIn is to connect people, right? So like, you know, if, if I learn something about you that's unique that I'm like, man, you know, Janky needs to talk to Bob or Janky needs to talk to Jane about whatever. I'm going to connect you. And I've been doing that now. And, and I've really been doing it in earnest since I came back to Zweig in 2014. But as I was recruiting and working with young people in this space, I would always, you know, whatever expertise they had or whatever area of whatever their profession was, be it structural engineer, architect, general engineer, civil engineer, whatever, I would refer them to people that I thought could be helpful to them in the future, whether through a mentor-mentee relationship or just to have a connection. And that pays off in the long run. In the same way, I would do the same thing if I thought that there were two different design firms that could probably work together and collaborate on something. Because, you know, two heads are better than one, right? And it's just bigger opportunities. So I just think that, it, you know, a lot of times we, we only see what's right in front of us. And it's those my it's that myopic focus that really slows us down from growing and really reaching some of the goals that I know a lot of design firms set for themselves, but they don't really get they sometimes can't get beyond themselves. No, exactly. And I think the other thing too to that point is when you do the introduction, you've like you've kind of validated both of those people, right? Like you have a relationship with A and B and you want to bring them together especially if even if it has nothing that'll immediately benefit you. So you've like leveraged your network, you vouch for both parties, right? And you're doing something that's selfless. And that always goes so far in this industry where someone's like, wow, Randy gave me this connection. And like, it didn't even immediately result in business. And that's another sort of deposit in that like relationship bank account where you're like, you know, I just love every time talking to him, he's such a wealth of information. And then, of course, who do I turn to if I, you know, need help? It's going to be you. I'm not going to be talking to any. Com- I don't even know any competitors of yours. I only think of you guys. Right. There you go. I love that. I love that. And the cool thing about that, and then we're going because I have some other questions for you. But sure. the cool thing about making those deposits is sometimes you may never make a withdrawal for yourself, but you actually may make a withdrawal for somebody else. So, you know, there, there's that as well. So I would encourage people to keep that in mind as they move forward. I would love for you just to kind of tell us a little bit about Kirksey and about the history that the company's celebrating 50 year, 50 years, right? I think it's coming yes. up in June. And that's that's no small feat, all right? Because the average firm doesn't last but for so long. But you know, design firms typically, if they are if they're good at what they do, they have a chance at, at a long, sustained life of serving their clients clients' needs. But Kirksey's been along for half of a century. So so I would love for you just to talk a little bit about Kirksey. Sure. Thanks. Uh, Well, I'm the new kid. And this is, I think, week four of me being at Kirksey. And I'm very much the new kid because I think the average tenure is about like 15 to 20 years. Once folks sort of taste the Kirksey experience, like most people do not leave. And if they do, there's a high percentage of boomerangs. It is a great place to work. And And I start with that only because I'm such a big proponent that like EX, like the employee experience, connects with your CX, which is your client experience. So when you have a group of architects who are thrilled to be here, they are learning from each other. They have, you know, they are pioneer in spirit, but they also, you know, have a great like lineage. 
that translates to your clients. Like your clients are going to be able to experience that too. You know, the way we take care of our clients, the work that we've done, the repeat clients, it's just, just all connects. And so Kirksey is a full service architecture firm. We have done high rise projects. We've done amazing community projects, churches, schools. We've done really innovative PK-12 work that sort of incorporates this whole 21st century learning, which I am so jealous of because I wish I had that experience when I was a kid. And we have just also a really, I don't want to say insane, but it's a very inspiring focus on sustainability. So we really believe that like healthy places are healthy spaces. So everything we do is with this lens of sustainability for all our sectors. We even help people become lead accredited it's it's just such a fun place to work. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, so excited to be here. This is, you know, I've had a I told you I had a professional crush on Kirksey for over a decade. And when I was able to join, I hopped on. I was so happy. I love that. I love that. And 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 that's the thing about this industry is that, you know, it is so, you know, you can see the winners out there and the companies that are really doing things right. Even if you work at a company that's good, you can admire other firms that are doing it at the same level that you are. Now, you mentioned something that was very important, and you have the lead designation. How has that helped or informed your ability to be a successful business developer slash marketer? Well, I um, th- I had that a long time ago. I, I think I got it in 05 or 06 through the uh, firm I was at. And I really believe that you need to be able to like talk the talk and walk the walk, you know, so I, how could I understand what it is we were doing if I didn't really understand the entire design process and lead for anyone who's not like a licensed, you know, engineer or architect going through that study process is fantastic because you really see the entire spectrum because lead covers everything from like site selection and development all the way to commissioning. So you really under start understanding all these aspects and I love learning. So that's one thing I really like learning. But then it also helps you see just how and why sustainability is so important, you know, and it might not be something you're talking about with your clients, but, you know, everyone wants to be doing something that leaves a legacy. And I think that's where a lot of the sustainability comes in. It's like, how do we make this entire process of building, designing and building a building better for the entire planet? And that's where these like these small little increments kind of come into play. Yeah. So I, I would assume that you would encourage any young business development or, or marketing whippersnapper coming up to to think about some of these designations and to take the time necessary to gain that additional knowledge and skill set because it will pay off in the long run. Yes. I mean, first of all, I don't think I don't think knowledge is ever wasted. Yeah. Right. So anything you learn, it'll always pay. I've yet to even a book that I don't agree with. <laughs> helps me think about things and express why I don't agree with this, right? So you, n- knowledge is never wasted. Learning is never a waste of time. But in particular, I think one of the pitfalls of our industry within like marketing and business development is that say on a continuum between like warmth and competence, a lot of what we do is hard to quantify. So it just looks like warm, looks like, oh, they're just really friendly, you're good at making connections. But you need to have that confidence. And the more you learn, the more you understand what your company does, how it actually like makes a profit and how it connects within the industry as a whole, the more you can understand what your clients are talking about and the more competency you can deliver. So 
I'm always, I mean, I'm always reading and listening and doing things like that. So I think specifically for lead, it's a well understood designation. Yeah. So instead of saying like, I read a lot and you know, that is subjective, right, Randy? But to say I have this yeah, also means that, you know what, I understand this industry. I might be good at making friends, but I also like have like a background in what's happening here. Yeah. And I think design professionals will also take notice of that as well, right? So a lot of times, you know, they'll give you a little bit more, a little bit more street cred when they see, oh, okay, so she's been in, the, she's been in the trenches as well, or he's been in the trenches as well, and he got his lead certification because there, there is a lot of work involved to do something like that, but there is a, a tremendous payoff in the long run, especially if this is an industry that you're trying to give your life to and your time to. And when I mean give your life, I mean this is this is the area or the vein that you're going to tap into for a long term. So I think it definitely will pay off in the long run. Well, you know, Janky, I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about a program that you have been affiliated with. And I mentioned it earlier, I teased it just a little bit, but you were, I think you were part of the first Elevate Her cohort. And I would love for you just to give it your, your explanation of what this, what Elevate Her was and what it meant for you from your perspective as a participant in the program that, and, and for all the, everybody listening, Elevate Her is a program that Zwei Group has put out. And it's, it's been Zwei Group's intentionality of getting more into the diversity, equity, and inclusion space and creating more opportunities for a wider subset of people within the design space and specifically here as it pertains to women. But I'd love for you to speak on that and your experience. Yes, I'd love to. I was honored. I was part of the inaugural cohort and I heard Jamie Claire Kaiser talk a couple years ago, I think it was at Build Business, and she had sort of expanded on, she had done an open letter about some of the frustrations and difficulties that most women in a very male, and I was completely moved by it. I thought it was fantastic. It had like articulated all the things that like I never quite could say, but I'm just like, yes. And so I reached out to her and I applied and I was really excited to be part of the cohort. And in particular, what I really like about the cohort, and this I think is just a reflection of Zwei Group, is it's not just talking. It was like, let's do something about it. And so each of the cohorts came up with a project and they were very different projects. So they all tackled the same thing about like diversity and in particular with women in the AEC space. But we all came up with some little thing we could do to move the needle or at least bring awareness. And that was really fun because you got to kind of dive into something that was a little bit outside the box. And you also got to see how did all the other cohorts, like what did they address in this problem? And like, what can we learn from each other? So it was fantastic. I cannot wait to see, I know the applications had gone out for this next year, but I'm really excited to see what happens with this program and how it keeps going. Yeah, well, yeah, and now and now that you're an alumni, they can tap into you for continued help and all that good stuff. Would you be able to share the 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 problem that you tried to solve or that you came up with? Sure. Um, so for our problem was it, it had to do with the concept of like the talent pool is so limited, right? You know, people say like I want to hire more whatever you know women, minorities, etc., but the pool is just so small. That's a tired excuse. So our thesis really was like, if in order to turn that pool into an ocean, first, you have to improve the employee experience. And so we created these employee experience cards, which were kind of based on a suit of like a, this each suit had to do with like different elements of the employee experience. 
And the card was a way for groups, one-on-ones, or even for self-reflection to to think about different aspects of what it means to be a worker, you know, both in terms of engagement, how do you like to be appreciated, mentorship, the importance of that. And we drew from a lot of data. So we had a lot of SWAG group data. We had SE3, which is for the structural engineering group. We had uh, the AIA, McKinstry, a lot of data that we were able to pull from that kind of helped just have little things that, you know, employees, employers, managers could do to help move things along. Wow. Okay. That's fun. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I mean, I, I get excited about that. I mean, I know this this past year was a year unlike any other with the pandemic. And, you know, we're, so we could talk all day long about that. But I think one of the things that came out of this past year was just a lot of people really diving headfirst into diversity, equity, and inclusion and what that means, specifically for our industry, which for let's face it, it's been an industry that has been pretty plain vanilla for a long time. And and that, you know, and that's putting it mildly. But I mean, people know what I'm talking about. I'm not beating around the bush here. I mean, I've I've been involved in this industry since '97, and I have noticed the changes that this industry that has taken place in this industry. But even in the last year, so many more changes after George Floyd's death and some other things that have happened, the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, you know, all of a sudden, everybody's like, man, we got to get got to get involved. Yeah, there have always been black architects out there. There have always been, you know, Latino, Latinx design professionals out there. I mean, you name it. I could just it just fill in the blank is every everybody imaginable is out there. It's just are you looking in the right places for them? You know, and I would always tell people when I, when as as a recruiter for Zweig, I would tell people all the time, listen, you need to be going down to some of these historically black colleges and universities that have some outstanding engineering programs like North Carolina A&T. Of course, my alma mater, Howard, big shout out to Howard HU. So, you know, I mean, I just FAMU, Florida A&M uh, University. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but there are a lot of really talented minority professionals that are trying to get into this industry that don't usually have a normal open door for them. And so I've been encouraging those that are responsible for hiring is to look in alternative spaces and try different things to connect with these individuals because they're there. And I've gone, I've gone to Nesby, the National Society of Black Engineers. Every time I've gone and spoken to them or spoken at one of their like regional events, all those people are lined up to go work with Google and all that. So you have all these really bright design professionals, potential design professionals that are going off into other areas, sectors of the uh, the marketplace. And we should be capturing them here in the design world. And uh, I'm hoping to see more of that. And I think that what you're doing with Elevate Her and just your representation alone is making a big difference because if people see people that look like them, then they're saying, hey, if Janky can do it, I can do it. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's very idea. flattering. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, no worries. No worries. So and that's a long I mean, I'll get off my soapbox now. I just I just wanted to share that. And I know a lot of people listening to this are like they've heard me talk about this before and I've never been bashful about this subject because I think it is one that we need to discuss. And it's out. It's out now. Right. So we just need to discuss it and figure out how do we do better in this way. And I think if anything, it will help most design firms because it's the biggest struggle that we have is finding good talent. And it's because we're not turning over enough rocks. And yes, you can go back to your alma mater. You need to be, that's like, that's the lowest hanging fruit. And I'm always surprised even when I see some firms that aren't doing that, right? It's like, what? You graduated from Texas A&M, but you're not going back there on a regular basis. Hello. 
You should know everybody in that engineering department, period. End of story. You go into Rice and you don't know all the professors in Rice at that program, at the engineering program there. I mean, you've got, we've got to do better as far as that's concerned. I know we're all busy, but that excuse only lasts but for so long until the next time you look up and you're three people short for a project team that you need to round out. I totally agree with everything you said. I think it is for an industry that's all about solving problems, we should be way ahead of this. But I also think that one, the the younger generation is paying much more attention to this. So when you talk, going back to your, your thing about the talent wars, people are paying attention, not just your compensation offer. They're paying attention to the culture. They're paying attention to like, what does this leadership look like? And you, as a firm, I, I truly feel that you will become irrelevant if you are not making active decisions on how to add diversity of everything, like diversity of thought, not just like I need to hit these skin tones and a quota number of that, but really looking at how do I push the envelope for me as a firm? Because that's going to be part of your offering for this next level. And, you know, we all saw a year and a half ago, you couldn't, it was hard. We were stealing people. I mean, it was, people are getting poached because you cannot find talent. And even with a hiccup, which I think this is right now, is just a tiny hiccup. We're still going to be battling talent. And it's not just a ping pong table in the office, right? It's like people are looking for the full picture of what is this firm like and where are you recruiting is a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that means that your social media needs to be informed. It means that everybody needs to have talking points when they come in contact with folks, which is why everybody matters. I mean, I think everybody at at a firm should be a recruiter, not just the senior leadership, not just the people in the C-suite, not just the project manager. Everybody should be able to be a walking elevator pitch for your company. What makes Kirksey so special? And it's it great. Yeah. You know, it should just be second nature that, oh, and so you have like it. And I tell firms this all the time. Whenever I go out on behalf of Zwag to do some training, I say all your leaders, but everybody really should have an elevator pitch for why pe- the why that people should work with your firm. Why should I work with Kirksey? The other elevator pitch is why should I work for Kirksey? You know, so it's just like, you know, you need to you need to be able to to train your people to have that ability just right off the top of their head to give two or three valid points and you know bring them in and bring them out and just be able to articulate the value add that your organization brings to the table. Because as I've always said, and people have heard me say it before on this podcast, it's a pitiful frog that doesn't praise its own pond. If you're not excited about where you are, then you need to go someplace else. Am I right? That's so true. It is. It is. You have to be an evangelist if you're there, you know, otherwise you need to find a new place where you can, that you can evangelize. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, sometimes what happens is, and I'm not speaking for every design firm professional, but a lot of times you feel like, man, well, what if we don't have enough work to support these people? Well, you know what? New opportunities are created every day. And if you, you have, if you are sitting on a bunch of talent, then you need to go out and get some more work. And if you have a ton of work, then you need to go out and get some more talent. So, I mean, either way, you know, you got You have to work it out one way or the other. So totally. Yeah. yeah. So listen, as, as we wind this up and I could go on and on with you, Janky, this has been really great. I would love for you to kind of share 
you know, maybe what's been moving you lately? Have you read anything? Have there been any books or anything that you've been checking out online that has really kind of helped you follow the straight and narrow for for where you're going in your career? <laughs> that was a softball question because, you know, I like to read and listen so, to a lot of things. There's a couple of things that have really inspired me lately. One is uh, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Yes. Um, I've really enjoyed that. It's particularly the need of like empathy and vulnerability from leadership and yeah. how how important it is to be sort of to misquote that Teddy Roosevelt quote about being the man in the arena. Like it's not the critic. It's the person who puts yourself out there. How do you put yourself out there? Own that there's like you are going to fall. You're going to make mistakes and then be willing to like learn from that and be better. And I feel like as leaders, that is so important. I think as anybody, that's really important, especially when you're in business development, because not everyone wants to talk to you as, as much as you might want to connect, right? And so how do you own that vulnerability? How do you make yourself better? How do you push yourself to be better? That book is, is I find really inspiring. I also really like this one book called Hug Your Customers. And it's by Jack Mitchell from the and he's it's actually from a he's from a retail space, but he is just an evangelist when it comes to client experience and understanding the little things that are needed that make a difference and make connection. And I was, I've really been into client experience and just like, what can we do to sort of really understand and empathize with our clients? Yeah. And once we get, and by empathize, not just like be nice, but really understand like from your point of view, what's keeping you up at night and then make changes. And so that book I really liked because it it kind of talks about how it isn't what you're selling. Like in his case, he's selling clothing. It's the experience of, of the whole thing. And I feel like that's so important in our industry. It isn't about like how beautiful, you know, our building is. I mean, Kirksey designed some amazing buildings, but what brings people back is what was that experience working with our whole design team? Like that's, you know, and so understanding that and really like honing in on that has been really inspiring for me. So those are the two things that have like recently, those are right by my nightstand. Okay. All right. I love that. Well, we'll certainly put that in the show notes, everything that you've mentioned here today that we can, we'll, we'll put in the show notes <laughs> as well as a link. If, if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? I love LinkedIn. That's one of my very favorites. I feel like that's an underused tool. So I'm, uh, you can just find me, I think I'm at Janky De Palma on LinkedIn. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile yeah. so people can connect. Please connect with Janky and let her know that you heard about her here <laughs> on the I Am, I was about to say the name of another podcast, <laughs> on the Zweig Letter Podcast. And uh, yeah, that's the way it is nowadays. I'm working on so many different podcasts. <laughs> it's interesting, but no, seriously though, please connect with her on LinkedIn and, and uh, you, you know, You'd be it would be, you'd be better if you if you connected with Janky and and just you know reach out to her and let her know that you heard about her here first and certainly I'm sure she would love to connect with you. I want to put you on the spot and I want to ask you something because I just had an idea that I, I'd love to explore. Would you be willing to come back and join us for a masterclass on business development? We would do a special episode where we would take like you and I will sit around and we'll think about like some of the things that, the, the methods that we don't always think about. But 10 concrete ways to amplify your business development program within your design firm. Are you willing to come back and do that with me? Oh, you had me. And will you come back? I was about to shout out. Yes. And I had to tell myself, Janky, don't interrupt. And Janky, listen to what Randy has 
to say first. Yeah. Yes, I think yeah. you're fantastic. I feel like I learned from you, but it would be really fun to brainstorm things. And yeah. um, I have to like commandeer a little bit. I love what you're doing to move both like the needle with like podcasts. I feel podcasts are such a great opportunity to share information. You're such a like proponent of that, yeah. but you're also really opening up this sort of peer-to-peer learning space. Sure, sure. And I love what you guys, I mean, that's part of the reason I always subscribe to the Swag Letter. It's like, you're learning from people who are in the same space as you, and they just might be like at a different spot. Right. But I so, love this. So yeah. the fact that you'd even invite me is, is so yeah. humbling. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're, we're going to do it. And I'll talk with you offline about that. But I just had, I just an idea came to me and I'm like, you know what? Let's do a masterclass on business development because I think we could go even deeper on some of the things that we talked about. And, and you certainly have, a broad base of knowledge and a strong skill set in this area. So I think you could bring some real value to our listening audience. So yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. It was so great to have Janky on today. And we really appreciate her and her wisdom. And, and uh, again, please reach out to her, connect with her on LinkedIn. We'll put those links in the show notes and you can get all that information at thezweigletter.com, which is our website. You can find out more information about the newsletter, which is which I think is the longest running newsletter. And I, I don't know if I'm 100% certain it's been running since 92. So that's almost 30 years. And even if it's not, I'm going to say it is the longest running newsletter in the design industry. Some really great insight. Mark Zweig writes a weekly article in there, as well as Chad Kleinens, Jamie Claire Kaiser, and so many professionals. Have you written an, an article in there, Janky, yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, we're going to have to make that happen. So <laughs> I'm sure you've got something to write about. But anyway, it, just check it out. It's a free newsletter. It comes out every Monday at 12 noon. You get the PDF right in your email. You can also sign up all of your team. You can put the whole company. We've had people just shoot us an Excel spreadsheet with everybody's email address, and the whole team will get a copy of the newsletter every Monday with some really valuable insight and information for how to move your firm forward in the design space. So I think it's really valuable. And that's one of the reasons why we've been doing this podcast and why we have 180 plus episodes, because we try to extend the brand through voice. But then we also have the backup of the Zweig Letter podcast, the Zweig Letter newsletter, which comes out every week and certainly continues to keep you informed. So that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate you guys. As always, you can reach me, rwilburn at zweiggroup.com. If I can answer any questions, please let us know. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think about it. And uh, we'll continue to grow and get better each and every episode. We, as you know, our episode, the frequency of our episodes is just about every two weeks. And every now and then we'll stick in a, a bonus episode there some way, somehow. And as I said, I'm going to do a masterclass with Janky, so you can hold me to that. That will be coming soon. And uh, that's all I have for you this week. So thank you so much. And we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.